Why do you say that, Father? You aren't afraid, are you? No. But I respect some of the superstitions of others. Often they are founded in fact. in Venice, California. I'm Krista. I'm Kristen. And we are the, the Sixth Sense, Sense Society. Society. Welcome to another episode of the Sixth Sense Society. Tonight we are going to be talking about divination, something we absolutely adore and have a lot of experience in. But first, uh, by the way, before I go to the, the announcements for the next shows, we are not doing the cosmic weather on the show anymore, but we're starting to separate it and we're going to be starting in May. We'll do the whole month of May, so we're not going to do any cosmic weather, even though there's like three days left in April. <laughs> but there's not much going on. So stay tuned. It's going to be um, released uh, the 1st of May, as far as I know. And before we go into our show, let's have Michael talk about the upcoming shows. That's, um, we've got some really great shows coming up. We've got... Um... Let's see, next week is going to be Blessings. We talked about curses the first of this month, and so we figured the first of next month we should hit the other end of the spectrum and talk about blessings in different cultures and traditions. So for those of you who like lots of positive things, that's a really great show. Um, and then the two weeks after that, we've actually got some recorded shows because we're going to be on hiatus a little bit, but we do have a couple of recorded episodes um, that will still air Sunday at 8 um, on the... Uh, second Sunday, we have um, Lama Kathy, uh, Kathy Wesley, a fantastic Lama from back east. And we did a phone interview with her, and it's on Buddha, uh, the Bodhisattva path and compassion in our modern times. And it was just a very entertaining conversation. And then the third Sunday, we will have um, Krista's dad, Dr. George Schwimmer. And he's been studying past life regression and Edgar Casey for literally decades, many decades, and he um, is absolutely fascinating as well. And then hopefully the last episode of the month, we are going to uh, have Renee Starr back. And unfortunately, she was ill this week, and that's why we had to, to juggle our schedule a little bit. But we're hoping she's feeling a whole lot better, and she'll be doing the archetypes of the witch, the priestess, and the goddess. And she's a fascinating speaker and author, so we're looking forward to having her. So that's kind of our lineup coming up. If you guys have any suggestions for shows, or if you would like to appear on our show and you do something really interesting, give us a shout, send us an email. Um, and you'll find our website, sixcentsociety.com. And all the information's on there, so get in touch with us, and we would love to hear from you guys. So I'm going to kick it back to you guys, and I'm sure I'll have lots to say since this is a subject near and dear to my heart. So take it away. Uh, yeah, and just to say that Renee is definitely not confirmed for the end of May because we're, we're hoping to, but we'll let you know as it gets closer to it. She's definitely coming on the show, though. So what I thought might be nice for the, um, the audience is for each of us to maybe share a little bit of our background in divination so they know where we're coming from and just like a little brief introduction of who we are and the kind of divination that we do and why don't we just start with you Kristen well cool well I'm Kristen <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know I got into tarot uh, about six years ago 
And I'd always been fascinated with it. And it was one of those things where, you know, I thought everybody else was good at it except me. My brother would give me readings. I would get readings from friends. I would go get readings. And I was fascinated by it. But I thought that, that you know, oh, well, how could I possibly do it? And it really is all about just picking up cards and trying and going for it and trusting yourself and believing in yourself. And that's, you know, there are some people that are sort of born with, you know, you, you hear people saying when I was a child, I used to see things or I used to see angels or I saw the dead and, and that's incredible. But if you're one of those people that, that doesn't have that experience, that doesn't mean that you don't have um, intuitive gifts. One of my favorite um, people, Stephanie Harris at the Mystic Journey Bookstore, who is a psychic medium um, as well as an acoustic record practitioner, she said to me seven, I think it was eight years ago now, eight years ago, I got into this because she just was led to, to mediumship. She she used to hear people and she, she used to get visitations from people. She didn't know what it was or how to work it. So she started studying it in her, uh, I think in her 60s. And now she's an incredible medium and acoustic record practitioner and an incredible tarot person. So um, who has given me many, many a predictive reading. So the thing that I really want to say, I guess, I'm supposed to be talking about myself, but what I really want to say <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> is that you don't have to have um, some sort of deep experience sort of in the underworld or in the afterlife or see angels or see demons or see the dead or, or get these messages. You simply can be a person who's just interested in consciousness and mindfulness and um, in expanding your intuition and, and trusting that and seeing what messages come in. So I picked up a tarot card, uh, you know, for myself the first time about six years ago, and hasn't, I haven't put down tarot since then. I love oracle cards. I love tarot cards. I love the way they feel. I love the way they smell. I love the way that the tarot card sounds when it when you um, shuffle it and when you tap it on the table. Um, and I've studied with Michael and Krista, who are master tarot card readers. They gave a class at Mystic Journey. And they, they do that from time to time still. And that was my first introduction, was Kabbalistic Tarot. And from there, um, I just started giving readings to myself every single day, which probably isn't the best thing to do. But when you're starting out and you don't want to give it to your friends, because it's, it's, a, it's a very important medium, and people kind of don't get it, because it is fun to play with tarot. But it's also a very important, very powerful tool of intuition, channeling, receiving messages. And it's not, you know, you, you know, you give your friend a fun reading and they're walking off in tears because of something you said, or, or they really believe something. So it's really, I've always been of a mind that you shouldn't work with other people other than maybe your dearest friends who understand where you are or your dearest loved ones who understand where you are until you're absolutely ready to read for another person. Again, practicing on people that know you and know where you are, but but um, I've just known many people that kind of study it, and the next minute you know they've got a website up and they're charging $100 an hour, and that was never really me. So So before we get into the meat yeah. of that, let's skip yeah. over to Michael and just yes. get a little brief bio, so that's all really great stuff. So what about you, Michael, so we just get a background, quick background for each of us? Awesome. Um, you know, tarot. and. Kabbalistic tarot, Kabbalah is my love, um, and we've been doing it now for, gosh, almost 24 years, if you can believe that. 
um, started in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and we've been doing it ever since. And I enjoy some of the other stuff, and we definitely want to talk about some of the other things besides tarot. But uh, but tarot still can always be my first love, and much like Kristen, it just never grows old. And, and after 24 years, you think you've seen it all, and then occasionally the cards will still reveal a side to them that you've never seen before. So that's the, the truly fascinating part of it. So that's, that's my story. So back to you. Uh, well, honestly, I think what really influenced me was going to readers. I went to Steve Forrest was the first astrology reading I ever had when I was like 2019. And it, it just kind of blew me away. But I, I couldn't believe how accurate and helpful the uh, astrology reading was and insightful. And plus, it was a very enjoyable experience. He's a, he, was just a, he is a wonderful reader, this style. So I, I think that got me going interested in divination, but not so much in doing it, but having the experience of having people read me in different modalities. And I actually went to quite a lot of different kinds of readings. I, I had astrology. I had someone that worked with crystals, mediums, pure psychics. I didn't really have my first legitimate tarot reading until my 30s. For some reason, I never came across the tarot. It's really odd when I think about it. So I, I initially actually loved numerology and astrology and and I just really was fascinated. And I'd studied, you know, we all want to know about ourselves. So you do your numbers and you look at your own chart. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then I, I, when I met Michael, I'd already been working with the medicine cards. So my first Oracle deck was the medicine cards by Jamie Sams and David Carson, which I still use. And, um, and then when I met Michael, we, we would do a reading together. One reading would be, I would do the medicine cards and then he would do a tarot card reading. That was actually one reading. We'd sit side by side and and then we soon found out that tarot was really popular, and so he taught me what he knew, and which is, again, I wouldn't exactly advise people to learn the way I'd learned, except that I had a background in metaphysics, I, you know, and I, we weren't charging very much, and I worked really hard and seemed to have a knack for it. And so I, I think I also fell in love with the tarot, but I also love, I do palmistry, and I actually love different forms of divination in general, tea leaf readings, coffee grinds. I'm fascinated by all of them. Uh, even if I don't do them, I've gone to people that have done my coffee grinds. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's really fun. One one person would like show me the, the little what's going on in the coffee cup. So that's my background pretty much. And just to get an idea of, you know, where we're coming from. And I'm, I'm like Michael, I've been doing it many, many years. And we are very invested in this, <laughs> this topic. Um, so I don't know how you guys want to start. Do we can talk with about you know how we think it works? We could talk about the different tools and the differences in using different tools. Um, what do you What do you say? Well, what is your take on the difference between the ter- the traditional tarot or variations of it, whether it be a Rider Waite or Aleister Crowley's deck, and using oracle cards? Because there are a lot of people that just use oracle cards in readings. Yeah, I think that oracle cards are totally fine, and it's just a legitimate way of doing a reading as much as the tarot. But it's not tarot. And tarot has a very specific structure, and if and it is tied to Kabbalah, and that's why. So uh, just because it says tarot in the box doesn't make it a tarot deck if they've changed the structure. So, um, and, and there is a discipline to tarot that I think is, is important. Um, I think that for a good oracle deck, it has to have a balance. Because life is not always you know bubbly and positive, so it has to be able to display life. And tarot does that very well. It talks about highs and lows and excitement and frustrations and all the different experiences that we can have in life. But some of the oracle decks I find are, are just a little fluffy, I guess, for lack of a better way of putting it. And I'm not sure that makes the best tool for divination because I think that it's a one-sided kind of a thing. 
Um, so that would be my thought on it. So how about you guys? Well, what you had said once I thought was helpful too is uh, tarot teaches lessons about life. And there are different schools of thought with the tarot. Like I might be a Marseille deck person and I'm going to work with just the symbolism of the cards and no cabal. And I think that's a legitimate thing that there's different schools of tarot thought, but they right. are based on the lineage of the tarot. And I think just like you would have that in astrology, there's different schools of thought. So one of the things I personally find for most Oracle decks, one, I think they're unbalanced. That's a good point, Michael. And two, they don't teach you the lessons of life philosophically. Now you might know them and you might put them into that, but the the thing is the tarot is a great teacher. I've learned from the cards themselves, whether I'm gonna study the symbolism, whether I'm gonna study you know, um, the Kabbalah with it, it teaches there's more depth in, in the tarot. And I personally think um, if you use Kabbalah with the tarot, you can get more structure and timing. I really think you can't get that with the Oracle decks. And a lot of people have trouble with timing, even really good psychics, they have you know trouble with that. And, and we need a little help, I think, from, from tools for that. Like astrology yeah. can be excellent for timing too because there's some very definite cycles of life that have very definite themes. So to me, but Oracle decks can be a lot of fun, I think, and they're very playful. Uh, Some of the artwork is gorgeous on some of them. I think they're just completely a different modality. I don't think you can actually compare them. But um, what I find is, is people think for some reason that the tarot is, is just something you memorize and you read from a book and that's how you read the tarot. And it's way more complicated than that. So because they'll say, oh, do you just read the cards? I'm like, well, why don't you sit down and do a spread and read that for me? Right. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, interesting like... because like with some of the tarot decks, like, you know, I guess I'll do a call out to Doreen Virtue. I mean, there's all this controversy around her anyway right now. But she has tarot decks that and and they're meant specifically to take the parts out that would make you kind of scared. So like the. I forget, like, you know, the tower is not called the tower, but the tower doesn't have to be scary anyway. So who said it was scary that we have to change or you have a unicorn on the tower and an angel on the tower. So you make the tower not so scary or the devil. There's nothing to be afraid of. I think they call the devil maybe addictions or obsession or actually, no, that's not Doreen Virtue. Obsession is too dark for Doreen Virtue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you you know, a lot of those, like, angel decks, um, they're tar- it says tarot on the box, but those seem more like oracle cards to me. And, and I agree. I feel like oracle cards are a fun way to, on a daily basis, if you don't want to kind of it, – it's maybe a friendly message, something encouraging. Um, there are some decks that kind of are meant to kind of be the shadow side of things, and those can be interesting if you kind of mix and match them. Um, but again, I, I think Oracle is just like a, it's a fun thing to play with for yourself. Like if you're not into tarot or you're afraid of the symbols or you, you feel like, oh, that's too complicated for me. I know, I know people that look at the tarot and they get like, oh my God, I feel so confused just even looking at a tarot deck. Um, it's kind of neat to kind of get that, that, um, inspiration and get those, those messages coming in and working the intuition through an Oracle. One of the things that interests me again, um, when we think about it is different. I think there's two basic styles of divination. Um, and one of them I like to call sort of fixed divination, like astrology or numerology. 
And, and then one is that sort of synchronistic, spontaneous kind of divination, like you know, throwing each ching coins or tarot cards or, or something of that nature. And, and I've often thought there's a, a real big difference in those two things. And, and for me, the fixed ones come across to me as much more fatalistic. You know, these are your numbers. You're born with it. That's who you are. And I've often wondered, how does that incorporate, you know, outside influences and things that may affect you? Um, whereas I think the, the things that are more spontaneous, like the tarot and the I Ching, I think are just more adaptable in my feel. And, and I, I think are, can often, I think, be a little more accurate for that reason. Well, and, it's interesting because Robert Wilkinson, who is a master astrologer, who he has uh, the Aquarius papers, he actually says, you know, we can do all this astrology, but when it comes down to it, we are all more powerful than anything on our chart. Right. So I think very good astrologers, all the good ones that I know, are very in the flow of it because it may seem like it's fixed. And certainly Vedic astrology, I feel, is way more fixed than Western. Like Vedic astrology is like you're born on this day and you're going to die in a psychic ward. I mean, stuff like that. <laughs> I, I mean, because I know I'm serious. I mean, it's kind of, whereas Western is a little bit more flowy, especially evolutionary astrology. Yes. Um, so it, you know, I think it's a matter of um, any good reader, every anybody who's doing divination, um, it's all about, the moment with that particular person that you're reading for. I'll tell you, the, the one system that intrigues me that really does combine both, and there's only one I can think of that really does have some of the fatalistic part and some of the spontaneous part, is actually palmistry, um, in the sense that one hand sort of is fixed and shows the tendencies you were born with, the other changes and shows what you're doing with it or how you're evolving or adapting. So yeah. the fact that the lines are changeable in your palm, and yet at the same time, Fixed to a degree, it, to me, is the one system that I really do, do think sort of straddles the line between both of those concepts. Well, and also the, the palmistry is the only divination system that actually shows you what you're doing with it. <laughs> so I, I know for having read palms, I've read like um, somebody, uh, one time I read someone's who, if you're right, if you're right handed, that's the, the hand that people look at maybe because that's what you're doing now and where you're going. That's where you see changes. Mm -hmm. So the left hand had seriously difficulty with her health line, her lifeline, you know, so you don't see how long a person's going to live, but you can definitely see if they're struggling with their health. Then the right hand was so much better, unusually so. I even asked her, I said, what did mm -hmm. you do? And she said, I worked really hard on my health. Oh, it wow. blew me away. And I've, I've had it more than once, especially the health line shows changes bad and good. I've seen people like getting, and I'll tell them if I see like they have a better health line and, and as they get older, it's getting weak. I said, Hey, you mm. know, you have a good health line. So take care of it. You might be in they say, yeah, I smoke or, you know, so they give you the feedback. And so palmistry, uh, ideally palmistry is supposed to be done with a chart. Uh, that's uh. a lot of, uh, but you know, ideally you're meant to use the palmistry with the Vedic chart because uh, I use uh, I study Indian palmistry, but you can definitely do palmistry on your own, on its own, and it's it's quite detailed if you actually take the time to learn um, all the details. Which is something I wanted to bring up with divination is there's this idea I think that you know knowledge is not necessary to be a good diviner, but to be honest, most divination systems require study, and even um, the Oracle of Delphi. Uh, whoever the priestess was, they actually, they studied other things. They prepared themselves to be an oracle. So I think that one of the things I find a little 
dismissive is 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 and this is you know again there's this sort of these ideas sometimes that if i don't have any tools i'm i'm somehow more connected and tools are too you know like logical and i said well ideally we're supposed to combine it all we're supposed to study and then use that intuitive experience and 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 use it the way we want to use it make it our own make the right. the tarot our own ideally we're meant to keep studying and i can tell you um, studying has helped me tremendously. So for instance, I, I study astrology for myself, but I also started studying the astrology of the tarot cards. And I would read astrology books to understand it within the tarot. And any way that I can build a relationship with the cards and deepen it, somehow it's going to affect my readings. Maybe not right away or literally, but I think a lot of divination systems, unless you're looking at really simple ones like, which I actually like scrying. Scrying's a really interesting um, experience and you can get some very strange and and cosmic things. When, when we've done it in a group, especially, we've gotten some very odd things and we didn't quite understand. Scrying's a little difficult, I think, because you don't always understand the symbols. And Describe scrying. I bet there are people out there that don't quite know what that is. Don't you describe well, it? Scrying is where you, you use an object like a mirror or water and mm -hmm. you basically, and the crystal ball right. is another, you know, kind of the common one, and you, you gaze into it and it puts you into a trance. Mm -hmm. And um, and there's definitely methods to to work with, like especially like a black mirror. You want to consecrate the mirror, and you want to keep it covered. And if you're really good, um, supposedly I've never seen the images in the mirror, but some people can. I see it in mm -hmm. my mind, like a kind of like um, a negative of a film. That's how mm -hmm. I see when I'm scrying. Yes. And and it's important when you scry. Um, to definitely write down what you see because it really does go away. And later on, you'll really kick yourself going, what was that thing? <laughs> and you'll be amazed at what will come through, even if you're not initially uh, you know, great at it. Because um, I, I, I picked up some things right away. And even though I'm intuitive, it's still a different, it's still a different tool. I think you yeah. have to get to know your tool. Um, we used to do it sort of just in little groups to kind of check the cosmos, where you can do it probably for any reason that you want. And we got some real, we got things about the weather sometimes we didn't quite get. My friend got the whole storms that were coming. He saw several storms, but we couldn't quite ground some of it into time. Mm -hmm. um, so that, but it, it, you know, that's what Nostradamus did. He scried. He had like a bowl under his bed or something. And that was, I think, I think he did do some astrology too. Right. Um, and you, you, you know, if you're at the, um, on a boat, sometimes if you gaze into the ocean, mm -hmm. you'll notice sometimes you'll go into like a light trance. Right. And that's the beginning of scrying. Basically. Well, it's interesting. They always talk about looking down the well. Mm -hmm. um, and I love the scene in Cold Mountain, the movie where they're trying to predict the future of when he's, if he's going to come back to her and she's looking down the well and it's like, you know, you go, you look, it's no, if you look down this well, you'll see what you need to see. Mm -hmm. And it, it's a beautiful part of the movie, mm -hmm. <laughs> her looking down the well, because she actually does see him returning to her. Sorry, if you have never seen Cold Mountain, <laughs> uh, just gave it away. But, and then it's so, because she sees it and then it's, it's, so I always thought that that was so romantic, looking down a well. Is, but you can yeah. do it to a body of water. You can get a beautiful bowl in your house. Yes. And just like, I don't know, consecrate it, do a ritual around it and say an incantation, a prayer, whatever works for you. And just, I think it's the intention of it as well. And it's identifying with it. If you identify with a, with a crystal ball or a bowl of water, then, then that's it. If it's the palm, then that's it. If it's the tarot cards, that's it. If it's a combination, 
because you truly feel drawn to a few things, not because you're trying to be wonder divination person who says that they can do everything, which happens a lot. I, I'm an Akashic Record reader, and I do angel cards, plus tarot and mediumship. And you wonder if they really can do all those things. Not well. I mean, it, now we live long enough that you can definitely do two or three, sure. three things well. Like Absolutely. I might, let's say I start off and I'm a a tarot card reader, and I do that for 10 years. And then I say, right. you know what? I'm really interested in numerology. I think I'm going to study that as well. In fact, right. they kind of go together. Like some of them really complement each other, you know, because right. so, there are numbers in the well, tarot. astrology and the tarot as right. well. So, but I, I think what you're talking about is, and also what I what I don't like on some some of the bios I see sometimes, they say they, they intuitively download um, things from, especially astrology. I said, you know, Astrology is a body of knowledge, and I'm I'm okay if you decide to use it, you know, once you've studied it. But I really think it does a disservice to astrology to not study it and put yourself out as uh, you know, you know, I've maybe read a few books and now I'm right. I'm, I, I I just think it's not helping because when when you get a reading from someone that is really has studied astrology for right. many years and has maybe they all have different fortes, it can blow you away. I mean, I, I, I don't think sometimes people know what some astrologers can do right. that's so helpful and informative and insightful. And you, you know, it's not a superficial thing. It's not a black and white thing. And it's the same with the tarot. You know, it's the same with um, palmistry too. It's, it's, it's not, it's really not, um, so much about the kind of tool that you use, but how well you use your tool. And personally, I think you'd pick a tool you're passionate about. Like I've, I, I picked all these things because I was interested in them. Right. You know, and if not, I'm not interested in them, why would I, oh, they're popular. Well, you're not going to be that great at it if you pick it because it's popular, honestly. Yeah. Because there are people doing it that are popular, that love it. And, and you know, it's like anything else. And and you often can get very similar information. Like you'll, you'll go to a personal company and say, oh, my astrologer said the same thing. Well, right. why? Because we should be tapping into the, the same, same collective thing. energy. That's your, Maybe in a you. different way yeah. and maybe different words. And, you know, maybe I've got timing, the other person doesn't. But I've heard that. And that makes me feel confident that we're all, you know, kind of on the same course, you know. And right. that's, I think, divination I don't know where it goes. I don't know if we're reading the cosmos and the person's patterns. I'm not quite clear about that. But I do think um, the other thing I think about using tools is that I do think it's it's much easier to predict with a tool. And that's from going, by the way, right. to I regular agree. psychics and going to people that used a tool. Now, the it, majority of the time when I've gone to someone who's used a tool, regardless of the, what the tool it was, I've had some real big predictions happen, mm -hmm. but I, I can't think of, I think of the one person, actually two two different people that I went to who didn't use tools, nothing they said. Now it could have been the person. I'm sure that there are people that don't use tools and this is not a general blanket statement because nothing ever is, but I, I do think you need to be careful with it. And, and it does help to have, especially with timing, it does help to have something to look at. Um, I know for myself, when I um, do timing, I've, I've, I've been pretty good at, at getting some timing timelines correct because I looked at the tarot cards and I said, okay, that seems to be the time of Leo or I've, I've added up numbers. And, and that's part of the spontaneity, I think, that we're all talking about. For me, I might look at the two um, 
in a spread the two outcome cards and 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 add the numbers up because at the moment my brain I'm thinking oh add those add those up or I'm looking at the two outcome cards and one represents the there's a card that represents cancer and one that represents libra and I and, I, and I'm thinking okay it has to be between those two times now Krista I'm sure you and Michael probably have totally different ways of predicting time well, that, actually, that, that, that means something to you actually, I've been that's... successful with what I've done but that's just because it's flowing within my heart as opposed to what somebody else might do. Actually, that is pretty much how we do it. Okay. So, so you're actually right. not too far. I'm glad you're saying yeah. that because that really <laughs> is. Um, you, you sort of see things that jump out at you right. as repetitive patterns in the reading that will suggest a certain time, like you're saying. And, right. and that honestly is how it works. And it can be very accurate. The uh, I did a reading for someone just today, as a matter of fact. Um, I'm sorry, last, last night. Um, and the card suggested she'd gone through a difficult time in her past. And I said, gee, that was just in the recent past. That was just like last year. And she's like, yep. And I said, and it ended in October. She's like, yep. <laughs> and so, and it's not me just guessing. It's right there in the cards. You know, right. there are these little repetitive patterns that talk about how quickly the energy is flowing and, and so forth. Um, but one thing I wanted to interject real quick um, and Kristen was just saying about how sometimes, you know, you go to people that are just readers and, and they're not very good at predicting. Um, but predicting is not technically a psychic thing. And I think a lot of readers don't understand that. It's an analytical thing. Um, and many readers never bother to develop their analytical abilities. They just, you know, are developing their intuitive abilities. And, and when you're talking about the future which prediction is, um, it really is analysis. And, and so the example I always use, if you were to say, well, what was the weather like today? You can give me an accurate description. Well, it was sunny out. It wasn't drizzly like yesterday. It was fairly warm. I didn't need a jacket. It wasn't windy. So you can give me a very good description. If I said, what was the weather like a year ago on this day? You call the weather office and you ask them and they'll tell you the temperature and the wind speed and direction and the humidity and everything else. So you can give me an accurate description of that. But if I said to you, what will the weather be a year from today? Uh, who are you going to call? <laughs> and then the answer is, you're gonna. If you're smart, you'll call the weather department again. You'll say, please send me over all the data you have for uh, this date, you know, and going back as far as you can. And then you'll analyze all that data and you'll look for trends and you'll come up with a prediction, which will say, okay, it tends to be sunny rather than rainy. It tends to be in this temperature range. It tends to be this or that. And, and that's how you're going to base your prediction. And it's basically odds and probabilities. And if you do a good job you're going to be right more than you're going to be wrong because you're going to be within those odds or probabilities. But as I said, many readers never bother to develop their analytical abilities. In fact, they look down on it, as a matter of fact, that if, if you're using your rational brain, you're not a very good reader. There's something wrong with you. And that's exactly the part of the brain you need to make prediction. Yeah, so. I totally agree. I'll never forget, I did this one reading for a woman. It was you know, one of those readings that seemed completely analytical, and I was just analyzing it out loud. But it had a couple of specific things about projects. And I said, well, this project, it looks like you're finishing up this project here at this time. And then there's this other one developing. And, and by the way, it involved the tower, which I, I just love that. It was not about disaster. And she looked at me and said, you are more accurate than any psychic I've been to. And I remember thinking, like, I didn't even have an intuition about it. Like, because I do get intuitions about cards. I go, I feel weird about that card. And I was like, wow, I was just analyzing the whole thing. And um, I think you're, it's also that um, there are different psychic skills. And I think we've mentioned this before that I think some people think they have all these different skills, but they really only have one. And the one associated with prediction is precognitive. And you can develop precognitive because Michael, you had it kind of, he had it kind of naturally in the beginning. I did not have it naturally, to tell you the truth. And I had to work pretty hard at developing my predictive side. My intuitive side was excellent. My ability to read people. 
And I, I got pretty good at it. And it was all honestly because of the Kabbalah and the tarot. It really is, it's an underrated tool. It's like, you know, if you decide to use it as a tool, and I know this sort of like we're promoting the tarot more, but I, I think it's it's because it, it's so underutilized that people don't even know what they're missing out on. And I know because I've done, I've done it without the Kabbalah. We used to do reversed cards. I used to be really confused by that. But I, I agree that prediction is an analysis and it doesn't mean you don't ever get psychic hits. It, you know, the psychic stuff for me just kind of comes and goes as it pleases in readings. I, I can't control if this is more psychic than another. I feel that that's what psychicism is in general. No one can really control it. You get maybe better at it. Um, but I, I agree with Michael. There's this sort of, again, it, it's that idea that somehow you're, you're, you're not as authentic or you're not as, you know, that you have to rely on analysis or logic. And, um, but I think what you're looking for in a reading is, is a combination of all these different abilities to give a solid reading and, and not emphasizing one over the other. And if you're weak in one, you develop it. You know, if I'm, if I'm weak in intuition, I can develop my intuition. It's not something you can't develop. Um, and, and that you're right, Michael, there's, there's a lot of people that kind of look down at it. And, and that's also the, the study part, you know, in astrology, you have to study <laughs> at least a little bit in the tarot. Technically, you don't actually have to study. You, you could say, you know, I'm just following my hunches and you could say something completely ridiculous about the magician. And in a way that's okay because there aren't any rules with cards, you know, that I can say the magician means that, you know, you're going to get married <laughs> I don't, and, and that's how I see it, you know, but the thing is, will that hold up if you do a lot of readings for everybody else? Probably not. I can use the cards to represent whatever I want for myself, but when I start doing readings for strangers and people I have no connection with, you're, it, it really won't work. It'll just, it'll just flatten. You'll find, wow, this is, system is not working because why, you know, you do need some kind of a system. When you're working <laughs> you know? for yourself, you know yourself and you're getting a lot of intuitive hits on yourself. When you're looking at a stranger who you don't know and there sometimes people just stare at you and they don't – I gave a reading to someone and I, I thought that he thought I was an idiot. When I and then, then I saw him the next week and he goes, that reading kicked off a whole thing for me. It was so good. Thank you so much. And I, you know, because sometimes people just sit there and they just stare at you. So you have to be able to have confidence in yourself. And I remember thinking after that reading, you know what? I said what I really felt, what I really knew was what I needed to say to him. And I didn't feel bad. I said, well, I think he might think I'm an idiot, but you know, I don't feel bad about it. And I let it go. And that it turned out that wasn't the case at all. Um, so you really do when you're, when you're, when you're, uh, working with strangers, you have to be solid. <laughs> yeah. And that brings up another point too, which is trust yourself. Um, and never let anyone talk you out of what you initially think is right in a reading. Now, if you're wrong, you're wrong. Fine. But I guarantee you a lot of times you're telling somebody something that they're, they don't believe or don't want to hear. And they'll say, well, no, that's not true. It's this. And they'll try and persuade you and they'll get you to change your mind and, and you'll finally go along with them. And then a week later, they're back yelling at you because you, you didn't get it right. and <laughs> You had it right. You just let them talk you out of it. And so I think that it's important to um, just trust what you're getting, you know, and just, just be firm with it. And I, most good readers will tell you that. Um, the other thing I think, and I always tell people this, is that it's important to be truthful and honest with a reading. Whatever you see, you see for a reason. Maybe the person can do something about it or avoid it or change it. Um, and so don't sort of, you know, 
lie to the person ever. I think whatever you see, you see. Um, I think with that, everybody does. You don't always need to know everything. And when I started, I had a long talk with my higher self and said, if someone's not meant to know something, I don't want to see it because I don't have to make that decision. So just don't show me. And I think that's the arrangement we've had for all these years because sometimes I think we're not really supposed to know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that while being honest with people, I always tell people that there's no such thing as a bad reading, just bad readers. And if a reader is making you feel depressed and, and upset and, and they're telling you doom and gloom and that your life is miserable, especially if then they want thousands of dollars to fix your miserable life, uh, please run away. Um, and it should either be good news or good advice. So you're, whenever I do a reading for someone, it's always like, congratulations, you're going to get a promotion. You're doing an amazing job with your work. Or if you want to get a promotion, you know, maybe you need to start showing up on time a little bit more. (laughs) But you're trying to either give good news or good advice. And I I think that that's how we should always approach readings. I think it's also important that people have realistic expectations about what readings can do. And um, Michael and I, we like to, for instance, time things. And sometimes I don't want to time something with a person because they're so rigid if you're like, off by it or the timing doesn't work, even though I tell people it's a prediction. And I don't know why I'm personally comfortable with the fact that not all predictions are accurate, even from my favorite astrologers or readers. But I I think that um, I've had people like, I'll, I'll say something like, well, the month of May, because sometimes I'll say a month or sometimes a day, and they'll come back May 1st, nothing's happened. And I'm like, it's still May. Right. And they just kind of hold on to that kind of timing. And when I see they do that, I sort of start, I tell them, I said, I don't know if I want to uh, time things for you because I'm good at it to some degree, but no one is perfect. And no one, time is a difficult, challenging thing to do in a prediction. And And also you could say May and it could be June because you were really getting the energies that the thing was going to happen. Right. But there was... It was a little tiny bit off. So whenever anyone gives me, I'm the same way. I'm I'm lenient. Or if someone's wrong, that's okay because chances are there was a whole bunch of other things in the reading that was actually really there. And that was another. Uh, there were it was other advice, other other messages. Um, a lot of times you go in for a reading about career or love, and you want to hear something specific. But if you really listen to the whole reading, there's a lot in there for you if you're with a good reader. So. Maybe to let go a little bit of the, you know, I mean, we all, I mean, I love the predictions too, but to let go and be not so rigid about, okay, it's May 1st. You said May. I mean, my God, because it could happen on May 31st and you'd still be right. Right. It could happen on June 1st. And I, you were wrong because it wasn't May. Well, it happened June 1st. I got the thing that I wanted pretty much in the time you said, um, but you know, nobody wants to wait for anything. I'll tell you a funny story about timing, and it's one of my favorites, is when we first moved to Venice and we were doing readings down on the, the boardwalk on Venice Beach, um, and one of the other readers, his name was Philo, I think, and a nice kid. Um, he came along, it was winter time, and it was really slow, and there weren't very many people out. Um, and he said, look, he said, I want you to pull some cards for me because I desperately need a, uh, to make some money. Um, and this was about 10 o'clock in the morning. So I said, sure, you know, choose a, a bunch of cards. So he did. Um, and I'm analyzing it. And I said, well, the good news, you're going to get what you need. But I said, the bad news, it's not until 4.45 this afternoon, <laughs> you know. And so at the end of the day, I was packing up and Philo came trucking along with his stuff. And he said, I have a bone to pick with you. And I said, what was that? He said, well, he said, this guy came along and got a reading from me and gave me 20 bucks, which is exactly how much that I needed, but you're off by five minutes. <laughs> now, now, five minutes was the guy got hung up at a traffic light or he stopped for a oh. coffee when he wasn't expecting to or, or whatever, funny. you know, but um, 
But again, you know, it, but there are fluctuations, and even though that's a daily thing. Now, with timing, the closer an event is, that was the same day, so a lot of things are pretty set at that point. That guy probably intended to come get a reading, and so there's not going to be as much fluctuation. If you're looking at something a year from now, there's a lot more variables, a lot more chaos that can happen. So you have to allow for that with your predictions, too, that also that, that may people. switch. You know, if someone's yeah. asking about, especially with lots of love readings, and they're asking about a person... You know, you can look at the patterns, you can you can see the what the energies are coming in, but you can't necessarily control another or another person because like we're talking about their free will on a moment to moment day to day basis and something could switch. I mean, that person could be a total jerk and then they have a trans some sort of a weird transformation from something that happens a month later mm -hmm. that you would never even be able to predict per se. Y you know, or or are they going to, you know what I mean? That's, what do you think about that? About in, in predictions and love readings where people want to know, are they going to call in a month or, you know, that type of thing. And, and oh. because well, you know, you're talking about the energies of another person. Well, you know, it can be accurate. Um, I, I did, you know, every now and then you get a client that pushes you. And right. I had this one client and she would want such specific things about this guy that I just started <laughs> doing it, you know, and, and it was probably about maybe 70% accurate. Okay. And um, which I was surprised it was even pretty, that, great. to tell you the truth. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, you're right that whenever you're involving another person, um, it's a little, you know, in a way, you're, you've got a, an element of surprise. Um, though if they've been together for a while, right. patterns kind of set in a little bit. The, the hardest timing that, that I find is, is when people first meet. And I right. even tell people, I say, look, we have the experience that um, sometimes the timing of, like I'll say, we think it's going to be this spring, but you haven't met yet. And, and I learned that early on in, right. the, in the tarot. I was reading for this wonderful man who had lost his uh, his wife um, in, in an illness and was devastated, and he was not looking to meet anybody. And all of a sudden, it just started coming up in the reading. And I, I just kept thinking it was like three months and or one month, and it, it turned out it was like a year. Right. <laughs> but all of the circumstances were right. Right. And I was very new at timing, and I was like, but I thought, you know, and I, I think, it, you know, he wasn't ready and she wasn't ready. But it was interesting, even in this case, it's probably the only time I actually got a description of someone because she literally came up every time as the same card. I've never had right. that since. Have a person come up as the, she was the queen of wands every right. single time. Right. And wow. I was like, that is crazy. He's kind of a, he taught me a lot because he was a really interesting guy. He'd go to Michael, he'd go to me and he wouldn't tell us what he'd heard from the other person because he got interested in the tarot. Right. And he just wanted to test it out to see how good right. it was, you know. Right, right. So uh, timing, that's kind of tricky. The other thing that's kind of odd are lawsuits. They're not my favorite thing to do. Um, I've done lawsuits sometimes for five years. And I'm telling you, time operates completely different in the legal system. Mm. It's way slower, way slower. And I should have thought, you think about it, it really is, but it's like its own world. And, and, and it finally, so when I'm looking at a legal system, I try to take into account, like, okay, I'm looking at a legal system, you know, a system here or a situation, and I've got to think of time in a different way. So time actually moves differently in different circumstances. And that kind of fits with what time is like in reality. But that was, that one used to puzzle me the most because it'd be so off so consistently and, and yet, you know, maybe, you know, a lot of times you'd get some of the results you'd expect from the, the legal, legal situation. So it wasn't right. completely off the reading. 
And so over the years, I've come up with this, okay, it's really trickier. I'm going to slow my timing down. Right. And that's why working with time, I, I get a kick out of it. I don't know why. In a way, you have to have a little bit of guts. Right. You have to be completely okay with being wrong. Right. I'm, I am. I'm completely okay with the timing being wrong. Um, I'd like it to be right if it's something crucial, though, if like someone's waiting for an organ. Um, I really want my timing to be right, which did happen to me once. And luckily it was right. I was like, oh my God, thank God for them. But, you know, some things it doesn't really matter that much if, you know, because I didn't meet that month, it's not going to be the end of the world. Um, But you have to really like time and, 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 you know, divination isn't just about time, but if you think about it, in a way, divination itself is connected to time. It's connected to the past, the present and the future. We're divining. it's timelines that are merging and, yeah. and colliding and separating. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you guys uh, another thing, too, is with clients. Um, and we have some wonderful clients that we've had for years, and uh, they're just amazing people, and we love them dearly. And, and they always take the readings and do something very positive with it. But there is still that thing called free will. And you can give the best advice in the world. That doesn't mean they're going to take it. And keep in mind, you're not with them every moment of every day to see exactly whether they're taking your advice or how they're putting into that into practice. So you might say, give the guy some space, and they blow up his phone on the way home and do the exact opposite. And I, I can tell you a real right. quick and then, story. And then the, the, the relationship is over when you said it had a chance because right. of something they, they right. did. And I'll tell you how, how dramatic that can be. There was a, a client, and I hope they're not listening, um, who was having this thing with this guy where they were accusing each other of stalking each other, and she'd been to jail once over it or been arrested once, and it was just a mess. And so she's getting a reading, and the reading is saying, look, no more drama. And those are my exact words. If you see him coming across the street, don't engage him, because if you do, it's not going to end well for you. Just avoid him at all costs, and no more drama. Um, so about, about maybe a week later, she calls me from jail, um, upset because I didn't tell her she was going to jail. And it, it turns out they were on PCH and she saw the guy behind her and they chased each other down PCH and she called the LAPD and there were helicopters involved. I'm thinking, what the hell part of no more drama did you not understand? You know what I mean? Seriously, oh you can't get more drama that's, that's, than that. That's drama. And, and so that's free will. And, and as a reader, you know, some clients are just going to do what they're going to do no matter how much advice you give them. And that's just all there is to it. But others have taken my advice and I'm not saying I'm right all the time. But some people have definitely taken the advice from the reading and put it into practice and changed their lives very much for the better, too. And we've seen that happen many times. Mm. Well, that's another interesting point about divination. So, you know, since I was a real and still I am an advocate of going to readers, and I can personally tell you that some readings changed my life for the better. But I honestly, I don't know why. I mean, because I I went to such a good reader to begin with, and I I could see he really understood me in ways that I didn't even understand myself yet because I was so young. And I took their advice. I would take probably 75% of their advice at least. And it really helped. And, and maybe it didn't always result exactly the way I might have thought. But I, I'm a little sort of perplexed because I would go even when I was almost broke. And, and I especially went to a relocation astrology. I was really broke. But I really needed to know, should I move back to Nova Scotia, you know? And I got that money together. And I I took his advice and it was a big leap, but why wouldn't I? Because I'd already felt he was accurate for me and Mm -hmm. I really wanted to change. Why some people take advice and why some people don't. You could be a billionaire if you could figure out the little trigger that makes people want to change. And it it is a little perplexing to me um, when I'll have, I don't have it very often, once I'll have a client that 
keeps coming back and I can tell they're not really taking any of the advice and I, I kind of feel like well why do you want to come at all it's almost like some like, sort of security blanket yeah. or they just like having the talk or Maybe. they want to hear certain things but then they it doesn't make they don't sense. want to work for it or yeah. yeah and again you should always take the advice that resonates with you because I, I have I've sometimes thought no, I'm not doing that you know and, well, and it's right. fine you know because right. it's your life it's you're always in charge of your life but it, it seems to me if you personally want to receive a good reading, it's important that you actually are open to the reading and open to taking some of the advice. And I, I, that's one reason I, I tend to get pretty good readings in terms of information from other readers. Um, I have good instincts about who to go to, but also I'm very open. I, I'm, I, I, even if I went for a card reading, I wouldn't try to read the cards. I'd say, you know, let that person read me. I, I want to hear what they have to say. Right. That's why I'm here. Right. I'm not here to to question them. I'm not here to compare notes. If we wanted to do that, we could do that in a different context, you know? Right. So that's the other thing is is this willingness to really want to know in your heart, to want to know what that person has to say. Because I think divination, when you go to see someone, if you are receptive and open, um, not naive and gullible, you help to create the possibility of divination to come through even more strongly for everybody, the reader, the cosmos. You help to set the, the kind of the space for it. And I think that's really important, actually. Yeah, it's, a, it's like co-created. Divination is, I, I sometimes see myself as a translator and I'm translating and you're, you're coming to see me and I'm, I'm connecting with you and whatever my tools allow me to connect, but you are also connecting as well. And so I, I feel that's really, that's why you can have some really beautiful readings with people. They really want to know and they're really open to you and they can still be skeptical. That's, right. That never gets in the way. It's just that kind of resistance or that sense of like, um, you know, almost a little bit of arguing. Right, you know, that, that right, happens right, right. Sometimes. And it can happen even if you're telling someone what they want to hear. Oh, really? Are you sure? Because he hasn't called in the past or I didn't get that promotion last year when I was, you know what I mean? And you're here, you are saying, well, this year you're going to get it. But if you've got that kind of energy flowing and you're resisting, then you may not get it. And then, you know, here you are going back to the reader and saying, you're, well, you know, maybe if you had taken the advice and just kind of like sat with it yes. and done your job. You know. one, one of the things we never do on our show hardly is is to shamelessly plug ourselves, which I guess we're kind of doing tonight to a degree. Um, but just for our listeners out there, again, to get a hold of us, if you guys do want to not just get a reading, but just even talk about divination or get advice about it and so forth, we're always happy to talk to people, especially new people starting out. Um, and for Krista and I, first of all, you can get all the information for all three of us on our website, sixcentsociety.com. So go there and it's, there are links and you can track us down. Um, and Krista and I have our own website, mysticraven.net. And Kristen, your website is? KristenMarieTarot.com. So if you guys want to get in touch with us, we'd love to hear from you. And um, like I said, it doesn't have to be for a reading, just to reach out if you want a little advice. We're happy to do that, and we love giving back. So did want to plug it, and like I said, one more time, SixthSenseSociety.com. You can find links to all of that as well. So check us out, and um, love to hear from you guys. So back to you guys. One of the things that, that I, I think I kind of mentioned in the beginning, but I really want to emphasize is that... Um, it, it really, one tool is not necessarily better than another. And it's really, to me, how you use the tool 
and your own evolution as a reader. Like you can get to the point where you just stop growing. And I don't know that that's a good idea. I went through a stage where I felt like I was just like me, you know, and I, I in a way was kind of stuck doing and seeing the same things. Uh, but one of the things I, I really get tired of is this put down by some psychics, not all, but some will say, I don't use tools in that way. Like I don't use tools. I don't need them. Tools are not handicaps. They are very important. They can give you things that, you know, you can't get on your own. They are not handicaps. Always be proud of your tools. If someone says, oh, are you just a tarot reader? Yes, I am just a tarot reader and I'm proud of it. You know, think about a surgeon. Is a surgeon going to go in there and not use tools? And how well does that surgeon use a tool? But this idea really needs to be stopped, you know, like putting each other down like that. I've gone to all kinds of readers. And to tell you the truth, I personally, you know, enjoyed every kind of reading I've ever gotten from kind of the old fashioned psychic. She would like hold your hands. I don't know if they do that anymore, but they used to hold your hands and then just read like just read you. And sometimes they'd look at your photos and, and that was it. They didn't ask questions. And I was always like, wow, that's cool that they got that information. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, you know, I went to one woman who she had one of those um, crystal skulls oh, and yeah. she practiced shamanism. And she gave me some of the, the most interesting reading about my soul that still resonates with me. It was really helpful. And then some practical things too. But I was really like, wow, how'd she get that, you know? And then I've gone to astrologers and numerologists and tarot. And um, my favorite was this fellow, because it's just so bizarre what he would do. He was this like New Jersey psychic that worked at a bookstore, Mirabai Books, where I used to work. And there were these crystals and you would be drawn to the crystal. So you'd pick whatever crystal. And he had, he was just a really down to earth guy and he'd put it to his third eye and then he just start telling you the most practical things oh, wow. and they were really it was really helpful I was like really grounded it wasn't like you think it might be kind of airy fairy and but I don't know how he learned to do that I don't it worked so again that was an unusual tool but I so I'm very open to people's tools but I I do feel like it, it's it's not so much that, oh, I'm, my tool is better or it's better to not. It's really what you do with it. And, mm -hmm. and, and also as a person, are you growing as a reader uh, as you do these readings? Like you don't just sort of stop at a certain point and, and say, I've made it. Uh, you know, right. that's it. Well, One thing to, uh, to tell you guys too, if you're listening out there, if um, you do go to a reader, please be aware of readers that use cold reading techniques. And we hear them every once and again. Um, where they'll basically just pump you for information and then feed it back to you. And if you want to understand what cold reading is, South Park did a wonderful episode called Biggest Douche in the Universe. Go check it out and you'll know everything you need to know about cold reading technique. But um, we, there are people like that. And so please try not to volunteer too much information. I think it should be that the person can get that information from whatever tool or whatever means they're doing. And I, I think that you want to be very, very aware of that as well. Because definitely some of those bogus readers just like to pump you for information and feed it back to you and charge you a whole bunch of money. So so educate yourself on cold reading. And if that's what the person's doing, then try and find a slightly more legitimate reader. So. That's awesome. So there we go. Speaking of tools, so I was having a conversation with a um, psychic friend of mine. And apparently uh, there is a bone thrower thrower. Um, at your place of work, the bookstore. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because I guess bone throwing is it's a, it's part of voodoo? I am not sure. It was interesting because he it, we were talking about it and it, uh, 
he seemed to think it was it's part of voodoo. And he was questioning whether it was it was a darker divination. What do you guys think of these different? Is it how the people use it? Um, if something is from voodoo, does it? I mean, because I don't think voodoo doesn't necessarily have to be all bad. <laughs> I don't have a label on voodoo that it's all dark art and and. Uh, but what do you think about going to places and having well, people with these other I, kinds I of think things? Divination is not dark, and some people are. And so, again, it depends mm-hmm. on where they're coming from. And really, the bone-throwing fl- thing is very shamanic. Uh, yeah. A lot of African religions were into it. Uh, I've often thought it's fascinating, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, some practitioners are, are there to help, and some are there to hurt and just line their own pockets and whatnot. So, That's so true, it's actually. really the person. It's yeah. not the method. So the if bone-throwing works, awesome. It's a good thing. It doesn't have to be a dark thing at all. And voodoo is not necessarily a dark religion. No, not necessarily at all. I mean, there's a lot of it that's very interesting. I've always been fascinated by voodoo. Um, so I might go check out the bone thrower just because I think it's kind of cool. <laughs> you know, I, I'd be interested in, I, I never thought voodoo was dark. I, I know that it's different and I don't know a lot about voodoo and I know it has a lot of, um, misunderstanding. That's my right. little bit I know about the voodoo. So I, I just couldn't really comment other than, right. I, I wouldn't have thought bone throwing was necessarily dark at all. It's just yeah. another method to me. And Michael's right. It's really what you do with your method. Cause you can, you could use a, you can use tarot cards angel in a very cards dark in a dark way if you wanted to. I mean, Absolutely. you can use anything to because some people want to scare people so that you'll come back and they can manipulate you. I think this is a really so. interesting point because I think some people do get scared of certain divination. Uh, certain like some people really find tarot cards scary. They just do, and that's why they're like, "Oh, I rather I'll go get an angel card." Um, and it's not about, I mean, I've been to some angel readers that have said some kind of horrible things. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'd, ra- I'd rather see the tower with a reading with you than, than, than like the two of cups with like some other angel reader. They'll find something horrible to say. No, it um, is the person I think more than the, absolutely. I mean, there are some cards that have very dramatic imagery, but right. it's meant to kind of, I mean, it, it's like a style you think yeah. about it. And also it's meant to provoke certain things inside of you and, and so the Toth deck is some some people say, oh, it's dark. Well, the colors are a little dark on some of the cards, but well, it's no darker than any other deck, theoretically, you know, speaking. It's not, you know, and I'm I'm with Michael. You got to have a balance of cards, you know, because life is going to be challenging. I want to learn how to deal with the challenges, too. But but you don't have to see it as dark. And, and there's a way to look at challenges that that help you to face them and not to be as scared of them, to, to find a method or reassurance. Yeah. And I mean, that's part of your job of, as a soothsayer is to to bring, you know, that, that comfort to people that's real, that you can really help to lift them in dark times. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Some people will only go to an angel reader or something like that. And I think it's it's always good to go out of your comfort zone and try something a little bit different. Um, because again, it's not about if the card has an angel on it or, or whether it's bones, you know what I mean? It's about the person. It's about the energy and it's about somebody being honest and having integrity and sitting in your moment with you and, and being present for what's really coming through in a neutral way. I think so. Yeah. And have fun for heaven's sakes. You know, it can be a lot of fun. There, there's sometimes, um, humor is, is missed in, in divination, but I've had tarot card readings where there's humor in the cards. And, mm-hmm. and so, and the element of play is part of giving a good reading. If you think about it, that, that element of, well, they're cards. And, they're, and they're, they're, it was started yeah. out as a game. Yes. You know, I mean, it's the game of life in many ways. Yes. 
So, yeah. Oh, and that's a perfect place to end. Yes, it is. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Don't forget to subscribe, hit the bell, give us a like, give us a comment. We're so happy that you're here, and we love you and hope we'll see you next week. Yes, thanks a lot, and have a great week. We'll see you next time.